Welcome, listeners, to Too Neutral to Quit, a D&D podcast where we should really just give up already. I'm Worth Beasley, the DM for this campaign. I will be running my players through the Rime of the Frostmaiden 5e campaign adventure. I know, another D&D podcast. I'm sorry. If you're still interested in listening, and hopefully maybe even adding us to your library, I did want to give a few quick disclaimers. Uh, the way that I DM is rather loose, and I also like to think that I prepare, but I actually don't prepare that much. <laughs> so if you're looking for uh, for strict rule following, um, it's not going to happen in this one. Uh, also, this is the first episode and my first time uh, editing, let alone recording, uh, so I can guarantee that there are going to be audio issues. I apologize in advance. That is something that I do aim to improve as we do more sessions and editing. I'll announce everyone in this episode, but starting in the next one, uh, they will introduce themselves at the beginning. Uh, we have Carl Meekins as Hush, a Furbolg Rogue, Liz Moonberry as Tender Everbright, a Fire Genasi Druid, and Royce Moonberry is Erwin Pokeheel, a Satyr Artificer. Uh, Billy Tai is Renkatsu, an Air Genasi Monk. And last but not least, we have Ryan Powell as Ilio Doncaster, a cleric with the uh, custom lineage feature, uh, but he is essentially a half-elf uh, slash Eladrin. Uh, we begin this adventure at level one, and everybody had already happened to be in the tavern uh, in the town of Bryn Shander uh, for one reason or another as we begin. And without further ado, here is episode one, Barely Getting Started. Uh, all right, so I will be playing... Uh... Ginger Everbright. Uh, I am a fire casting druid. Uh, I flat, charcoal-looking white skin that has sort of orange magma-looking cracks in it. Almost look like tattoos or runes, but you can't quite tell. And uh, she's kind of standing in the corner, and you can see me. Uh, Licking my hands and like making little flowers that I'm pulling into a paper, and then uh, I put it in my mouth. And Erwin's sitting at a table, and the he honestly doesn't really know what to make of anything that's going on. Strange to say, but he back in his day, all of these different races would not be. Just intermingling as one day. They were still dealing with the issue of suddenly there being tieflings everywhere. And he's a little bit weirded out. But he's also realizing that it's been a very, very long time and he needs to get used to things. But he's just sitting there in his chair, a little bit nervous, and pounding some air. Um, so, here all intents and purposes, as far as his visual appearance is um, fairly normal looking. He appears to be perhaps a half elf of some kind. Um, and he's um, kind of uh, a younger man. He has uh, fair features, a little feminine looking. Little 
too heavy for him, packed to the ground with adventuring equipment and things to survive. So I'm sure that he's just coming from the same side that he's trying to warm himself at the bar, um, sipping on a cup of hot chocolate. Eventually, uh, as we're hanging out in this tavern, we do see three stocky figures um, bundled in cold weather garb, but they're coming into the tavern. Uh, they have snowshoes slung over their backs and ice picks fastened to their belts, and two of them have thick beards. The third holds up a gloved hand and says through a thick wool scarf and a raspy voice, Well met, I'm Haruna, and these are my friends Corex and Storn. We need help, and anybody here that seems capable, is free to speak to us, and we will give you more detail. Anyone interested? I'll stand up and walk over. This is coin. It does, indeed. As payment, we offer whoever is interested, each of you, a gemstone worth 50 gold pieces. The friendship of the dwarves of Icewind Dale can also be a boon in these harsh times. You'll need snowshoes to make the trip in good time. We are actually the survivors of a group of dwarves tasked with delivering a sled of iron ingots to this town of Bryn Shander. A yeti surprised us and killed a member of our group. The rest of us fled as the yeti tore Ubok limb from limb. Now we need someone to go back and get the sled for us. But again, we offer you each a gemstone worth 50 gold pieces. I'll need some snowshoes, too. Uh, you can... Knowing uh, that you're uh, from being from around here, if you need snowshoes, uh, they are available for two gold. I believe you should be able to afford that, but you uh, uh, they wouldn't necessarily tell you, but you do know that uh, the general store that is in this town, you would be able to uh, purchase snowshoes for yourself uh, for two gold. So, theoretically, if we're broke... If I can borrow their snowshoes, go up and help get the cart, and then uh, return it, and even pay them a little bit back once we get back. They look at you, and since you are actually offering to help take part in this, they will, they'll part with it, and they'll say, be sure to return them, and we will, yes, we will be able to, we'll, we'll take that deal. 
and then when you get back and when you get the funds you can you can purchase your own. Not my thing. Journey isn't to where they say that it is in the direction uh, you have to travel the the road path that leads to Kelvin's Cairn. Uh, actually, I think I should have a Ten Towns map for you that I can let you see, give you an idea of where everything is. Uh, I was going to say, while you're doing that, Tinder gets like the thousand yard stare when a Yeti is mentioned. <laughs> Do I have to hand on the table and says, Okay, this is a version of the map, but it shows you all ten towns, so we'll just go with it, then I'll send it. And then we find the travel time here. So, Kelvin's Cairn is the large mountain that is uh, basically straight north-northeast from Bryn Shander. You don't surmise you have to go that far, but just go that direction, and you will eventually find the cart. That is kind of the best he can tell you, because with how bad the snow is, he doesn't know exactly how far, but he knows the general direction. Travel-wise, the towns that are nearby, like I said, the snow is so uh, so bad and everything through here. The closest town is Targos, which is to your northwest on the map I sent out. With snowshoes equipped, that would take you about two hours to walk there, just with how deep the snow is and how bad the weather is. So it'll probably, looking around, probably take you at least an hour or two going north. So just bear that in mind. I'll assume that we'd be started this, like, early, well, uh, kind of early morning, at like 10 in the morning. Uh, so the you know that it's daytime, but it's hard to tell that it's daytime. The new map that loaded the north look is basically right at the northern gate. So we're able to uh, head out that way pretty quickly and easily. So we spend at least an hour looking around, haven't quite found it yet. While we are looking, uh, a blizzard does descend upon you, uh, reducing visibility to only 20 feet in front of you. Kelvin's cairn vanishes from view as the blowing snow and howling wind engulf you. While there is a blizzard, the howling winds can limit hearing to a range of only 100 feet, make it very hard to see and hear. So, currently, what do you want to do during the blizzard? Do you want to try to wait it out, or do you want to uh, still kind of press forward? Or what would you like to do, I should say? Yeah, like, if we hunkered down for the blizzard, like, is there actual makeshift shelter around, or just be... So, what what time of day is it? Is it during the, the twilight or I said just for ease of time purposes, I would assume that we probably just started this around like 10 in the morning, and we've spent about an hour looking, so it's it's about 11 a little after, and it's still uh, still got some time for, for Twilight out. Twilight lasts like from 12. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it said from like 9 a.m. until 2 p.m., you can see twilight, but then from like 2 p.m. until 9 a.m. the next morning, it is pitch black. So you've still got about three more hours. You can't... There's not really a place to hunker down. I mean, you can make one yourself. There's not really any good, like, random kind of, like, houses or forts or, like, tents or anything like that. You could probably turn back toward Bryn Shander and wait out inside the town, but... Otherwise, you can just uh, kind of hunker down, like just in, 
kind of grouped together. You probably maybe have supplies yourself where you can make like a little camp, but there's nothing ready-made uh, at the moment. Uh, I was about to say, um, if we're all in the tavern, and then there's a, a blizzard currently ongoing, they might just want to wait in the tavern. So this guy wants, we probably want to do this while we have what twilight is available. Um, so there's a little bit of urgency there, but... Ilio says, uh, as much as I'm willing to uh, risk my life a bit of a monetary gain, I do prefer to err on the side of calm. Yeah, facing facing the night will be not as will be as dangerous as uh, trying to get through a blizzard. Plus, it gives us time to uh, get to know each other a little bit, figure out uh, battle positions, everybody's skill set. Got out. Druidcraft does. Uh, so, Tinder, if you want to do Druidcraft, you would be able to um, actually craft something that would predict uh, accurately about um, the the weather in this area, if you would like to do that. The cantrips. Alright, like I said, it's been an hour so far. You, with your Druidcraft, uh, you were able to know that this blizzard has another four hours going for it. It will end at 3 p.m. or so, but once it becomes two, it is dark. So yeah, like I said, you would be able to know exactly. You got to wait four more hours. Um, but yeah, then you'd have the advantage with Erwin uh, needing someone to guide him. Yeah, unless you all want to press on through the storm. I'm good with that. Uh, we can do this. Um, yeah, the question is, do we want to try to travel through uh, the blizzard, or is one of our party members uh, comfortable with essentially being blind the entire time? Blind the entire time. <clears throat> I've got torches. And you can see. Yeah. Well, the uh, only, uh, I mean, we, we 
can keep a torch on hand. My concern is that uh, as we begin traveling, the torch will be a beacon or a target. So for the close combat is actually initiated uh, with any problems that we have. Quite the test. Yeah. I'm just wanted yeah. to actually survive. Any heat or any light source? Yeah, I would think that I'd give off like just a little bit of heat and soft light, like a five foot radius just around me. Or You're always running a fever. So if he wants to hold on to me or follow me, I guess that's probably uh, I, I'm the night light of the bunch. Yeah, so you'll wait for the blizzard to pass, so no issues there. So yeah, it is dark, but the people with dark vision can see a little bit in front of them. It's just in gray scale, and then Erwin will be holding on to Tinder. Eventually, after about another hour or so, you crest a snow-covered ridge and see a frozen, dismembered corpse in the gully in front of you. Snow covers some of the gory bits, but the headless torso and severed limbs are visible. You see tracks in the snow all around the corpse, and the telltale grooves in the snow left behind by a sled that has been hauled away. Lovely. Uh, is there anything useful on the body? Uh, I'll tell you what, if you want to make a perception check on the body, or you can also do a survival on it as well. I would do perceptions. I'm much better at that. Unless I roll one. Well, no, that's, that's what I rolled, but uh, it smacks me right in the face. You, you see a lot of snow. I'd like to do perception of just the surrounding area. Okay. I would like to uh, view the wounds on the body. All right. For that, Ryan, make a survival check and tender. Uh, you don't find much better. You, you you see a little bit more of the body and the gore, but uh, yeah, you can't tell much more. Great, guys. You say uh, survival or medicine? It was uh, survival, yes. So with the survival check, everybody else is checking, you know, stuff on the body, stuff around the body. <laughs> Elio looks around. You were able to tell that the... The tracks around the corpse, they have been made within the last hour, so they're very fresh. They belong to about a half dozen small humanoids wearing snowshoes. And you can also tell that the tracks lead to the south. If you want to make a... Uh, let's see, for Ilio, checking the tracks. I would say maybe a nature check if you want to determine maybe what possibly uh, made those uh, footprints in the snowshoes. Wild yeah, you're not sure what, what did it. You know that they're small, but uh, that's about all. And that you know if you head to the south, you will probably, you could probably fairly quickly catch up to whatever seems to have carried off the sled. I'm going to say the, uh, the bad guys are this way. A lot of bad guys. You said half dozen? Uh, there were six, yes. And small. Tinder is willing to stand close enough to the footprints so that I could kind of see. I could give a identifying them a shot. Okay, that works. Are you sure about Tinder? Yeah. I have a good chat. Uh, you can sense that these were most likely uh, of the goblin variety. Something to consider, though, 
get into these goblins for following the Yeti and just taking the bones off of its kill, or they somehow got a Yeti to work for them. What if they have a pet Yeti? The dwarves got us to work for them. Your survival check was able to determine that uh, there were no Yeti footprints in this bunch. Orbs could have been lying. Admit that they got their asses and tomb. That is actually a very good point. I thought that we just go find these guys. So, following the tracks. About uh, 30 minutes or so of heading uh, south, you do end up catching up uh, to the goblins. The creatures you've been following appear to be goblins, based on their stature. Uh, You do hear all of them groaning, grunting, and cursing loudly as they haul the bulky sled toward what appears to be a 20-foot-tall wagon parked in the snow. Harnessed to this conveyance, uh, to the uh, wagon that they're heading to, are two roaring polar bears that don't look happy. Are any of you interested in giving them a chance to surrender the cards peacefully? Can I use intimidation uh, to try to force them to do it by command? Yeah, if we get close enough to them, uh, you can certainly, you know, say what you want to say or do what you want to do, and uh, yeah, you can roll intimidation to see if that would scare them enough to surrender. What do you guys think? I think the the um. No matter what you're going to do, I'm going to kind of split off a little bit better. I, I work better when people cannot see me. I don't think we have ten minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and just cast Speak with them. You're going to aim for the uh, polar bears, or how, how far does that uh, reach out? It's myself, and I have ten minutes that I can speak to any of them. Okay. Do you want to try to speak to them now, or do you want to try to get a little bit closer, or do it like once we do get closer at the moment we are and i'm pulling up a map so we can see a little bit better but at this point we are 120 feet behind the sleds and the goblins and the wagon is 120 feet further from that and we see, we see all this but we're not sure if we've been noticed Hearing how loud that the goblins are cursing and groaning and everything, you can safely assume that you are not detected, so you would likely be able to uh, sneak up on them or have surprise or anything like that. So again, the question is, do we want to give them a chance to surrender peacefully? I mean, they're intelligent creatures. I, I see no reason to see why this is not practically negotiated. Say everyone deserves it. I mean, that's what goblins do. They can negotiate, and then if they don't pressure goblins, what made them for the army to try to conquer once already? I mean, it will look forward you, but don't treat them like they're too wise. Ilio will turn to the party and say, uh, Before we proceed any further, I believe some of us had a little bit of difficulty seeing in the night. Everyone can take a moment. Close their eyes. Maybe he will whisper a, a prayer under his breath when he tells you to open them. There's like three people here, so Ilio's fine, and it sounds like Tinder is also fine. So, what is that, the other three? Yeah, the other three Ren, Erwin, and Hush. Excellent. Um, this, is a, this is part of my uh, cleric. Uh, domain 
vision up to a range of 300 feet. And as an action, you can share this dark vision with up to three willing creatures. So you can see within 10 feet of This lasts for one hour. Alright, well, I'll have my new bear first. Not only do you have dark vision, but you have dark vision out to 300 feet. He's in the goblin for about 100 feet. Yes, they are 120 feet ahead of you. And then the wagon is 120 feet ahead of them. Because I don't have a wide enough map, I'm just going to say this is 120 feet. Who wants to talk? Because I, uh, as you might have done, I'm not a very charismatic person. I'll go talk and give them one chance with that. Uh, <laughs> I thought we could beat their asses. That's party one, dude. And I'm gonna to talk to the polar bears. <laughs> You've already said the time was on, so we're, we've got like nine and a half minutes to get you over there. So that's great persuasion and deception. So. Hold my hand out uh, as sort of an invitation for whoever wants to go first and talk. Okay. Is anyone particularly gifted in the process of negotiation? You can just move. Uh, yeah, if you want to get move up to behind them and try to say something to them, or if you want to, yeah, you know, rush in front of them and then try to intimidate them that way. It's whichever you prefer. If you're walking up to them, uh, you can say or do whatever you want and then roll uh, whatever you would like. Okay. So I yell at the goblins and greet them by calling them little assholes. Go ahead and roll intimidation. As I roll my intimidation, I point out my asshole. Ooh. That's all I'm doing with this. 18. Nice. So you can sense that, along with the intimidation check, they just don't seem happy at all to be out in this this cold weather. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they were, you know, grunting and groaning and cursing is that they're just they're they're tired of all this. And with that role and looking at the people that all of a sudden showed up, they they stop and turn and again yeah observe the ones that they see coming up behind them to kind of weigh their options, looking at mainly Ren's intimidating abs. They eventually, you know, just kind of drop the sled and stop moving and they just kind of curse and not in agreement and they slowly start walking over to the wagon that is further ahead of everybody. Does anybody speak Goblin by chance? Ooh, ooh, uh, uh no. <laughs> One of them will kind of stay behind and start to talk in Goblin, but then when nobody responds, uh, or when they get the sense that nobody can understand what he's saying, he will point out that, um, he will say in, co- in kind of like Broken Cobbin, that Izobai, their Goblin boss, is over at the wagon, and... The wagon would be easier to drag the sled, but obviously uh, you would have to ask the boss to get it. That is, they're they're intimidated enough to where they they don't want to, you know, 
deal deal with anybody, but uh, Izobi or Izobi might not be too happy with them. Uh, so if you want to deal with uh, him particularly, that would probably be best. Or you just want to try to take the sleds, your all of your combined selves, and just carry it back to the town. You could do that as well. Seeing that uh, uh, the Abbot Combination worked out pretty well, move up and see if they speak giant. Help Jason. You give a few words in giant a try, and they do not respond. So you get the sense that they would not. Okay. Well, I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> so what was that gold? Our gold just to cover the sled, or? Yeah, we just needed to recover the sled. Uh, yeah, we, the, the bonus would be we would fight goblins, but yeah, they mainly just want the sled back, so you don't have to fight them, or you don't have to necessarily interact with the polar bears either. Yeah, it's just the, the bag of ingots was the main goal. Are you gonna let us take sled? Uh, they were intimidated enough to where they didn't want to deal with it. Um, they let you know that there is, like, a goblin boss in the wagon with the polar bears that is probably less inclined to let us walk away with it, but they they don't want to be here, and they didn't like the look of Ren specifically, so they're they're not gonna be much trouble. Man, they're scared. Yeah, pretty much. You know, that's how, that's how I roll. Uh, intimidation. What are y'all thinking? Y'all want to take the sled, or do y'all want to confront the boss and possibly get rid of some goblins around here? I'm gonna take the sled. That's not. But the non-violent guy. Are they gonna sled? Yes. Now that you're able to kind of check out the sled, um, you can tell um, that it's gonna be pretty heavy. the The sled itself weighs 300 pounds. And you do see the bag of iron ingots uh, on top of it, and the iron ingots add another 600 pounds of weight to it. <laughs> so it's going to take probably all of you to get the sled back, but, uh, but yeah, it's the, the sled does have the bag of iron ingots on top of it. Before the goblins head off, um, after that they know what happened to previous owners of the sled. They say that they do not. Izobai, their boss, has a hawk that is trained, and it spotted just a random abandoned sled, and she sent them, the, the six goblins, to just grab whatever the cargo was. They assumed that something must have gotten attacked and killed because there was a corpse near it, but they don't know specifically what happened. Um... Can I? Can some, sorry, good. I was just. Uh, how how heavy did you say the sled? The sled, it, 
Yeah, all total 900. The sled itself is 300. The bag of ingots is 600. There's some sort of weight modifier for like pushing and stuff with your strength. Stay guard. say now the issue is uh, what do we want to do with the polar bears because it looks like Tinder might be heading that way she can uh, it's possible if you want to get close enough to uh, try to interact with them that is way better than a dog's blood on uh, on the polar bears or tried, um, who do you want to persuade Persuasion wouldn't do too much, but you have to speak with animals up. They say how they would like to be freed if possible, that the goblins have been treating them very poorly. Uh, And so (laughs) you get the sense that if they were freed, they would very likely, very easily turn on the goblins and have a snack. uh, on On the polar bear sled is another... Yes, there is a goblin boss on the sled... And you get the sense that she would not be as as intimidated or as kind as the other goblins were. So yeah, she would probably put up a little bit of a fight. But uh, like I said, the polar bears would potentially help out should you free them and decide to take on the boss. I mean, if you really want to talk to those bears. Yeah, it's up to you. Are you both? So we got two for going for the bears. How do uh, Ilio, Irwin, and Hush feel? Wants to help the wildlife. Just... 
helps out the bears. They are harness of the wagon. This is very true. Is Tinder going to try to, or is, I guess, the party, are they going to try to free the polar bears? Are they going to try to talk to the goblin boss or both? I'm going to say, like, these are some mighty fine bears that you have here. Uh, <laughs> any chance you'll sell one to us to uh, you know, get back home? If you want to make a persuasion to see if uh, she would be willing to possibly sell one or both. Is the goblin boss distracted? Erwin can pull out his bagpipes and start playing them as loud as he can. That's the only way to play bagpipes. <laughs> There's only one volume for bagpipes. Very accurate. The 14. Persuasion. She is going to say they have been helpful companions uh, dragging this uh, wagon of theirs around, and she does not like the bears herself just because she doesn't like the polar bears, but she's not willing to sell them just because uh, she wants them for, for herself to help carry her wagon. But I will say that the intimidation would work to distract her, should... <laughs> Should you want to use that to your advantage? Why not? Let's do it. It's going to be distracted by the intimidation. <laughs> it actually says here that it's just an action to free them from, free one of them from the harness. Uh, so you really don't honestly have to roll. We can just say, since she was distracted, you just go ahead and just use that as like your turn to free that one on the top from its harness. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna free him. Okay, that works. <laughs> it nuzzles against you. <laughs> You're asking what the other bear's name is? Yeah. There you go. Bear, <laughs> Barry and Barry, Barry Tyler Moore. Yes. Ooh, Barry Tyler Moore is the bottom. <laughs> no, I think the top bear needs to be Barry Gygax. <laughs> if we want to do it by turns, we can go. We're not necessarily in combat yet, but if you want to roll initiatives, and we can just do it by turns, <laughs> and uh, we'll say that yeah, your next turn was that you. I'll go ahead and let you move south to free the uh, other bear there. That's another action, so that'll be your second turn. Tinder has done her turns. Uh, does Erwin want to do anything on his turn? Erwin's going to try to distract the goblin boss by playing uh, bagpipes. That's right, you were doing bagpipes, okay. Um, yeah. I'll say roll performance to see how loudly or how good you can play them loudly. <laughs> No fail situation because if you played it poorly. Good lord! Yeah, they yeah they would both uh, they would both serve as distractions, wouldn't they? Man, two natural. Guess sick sick bagpipes. <laughs> These are the best bagpipes any of us have ever heard. Stink bagpipes has ever been said. Erwin's the first person to do it. 
you asked about the mountain area. There's mountains to the north of us, but we're in like a flat, um, snow-covered area, so it's not uh, it's not very hilly or anything. If that's what you were trying to get out, I'm more worried about avalanches. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, you don't have that. That's the problem at the moment. Then play on. <laughs> uh, what does Hush want to do during his turn, if anything? Um, so I will just slowly knock an arrow and just kind of keep my eye on the goblin box. I do not see this enemy very well. <laughs> so I, I will hold my action until the goblin box uh, does anything hostile. Sure thing. And then Tender's turn was freeing the bears. Let me add the bears to the initiative, just in case that they do anything. Is Ren doing anything besides uh, showing off his abs more? <laughs> Uh, not at the moment. So that'll put it to Ilio. Um, Ilio will pop a cork on uh, a bottle and sprinkle a little bit out into the air and cast bless. Okay. So we are back to Erwin. Uh, he's still playing the bagpipes, or does he get anything else set up or anything? Um, I'm going to continue playing the uh, bagpipes. I'll say that natural 20 will account for this turn as well. So you get two two great plays out of it. I assume uh, Hush will just prepare his arrow still. Uh, okay. So now that the next turn... Uh, she's kind of busy looking around at mainly Rin and, uh, <laughs> trying to hear where the bagpipe, she probably hears where the bagpipes come from. She's probably looking more over towards Rin and Erwin, but, uh, you're in that direction where Erwin is, but you, you don't think she's looking at you specifically. Uh, I move into line of sight. All right. Sure thing. Is that, a, is that a tree right there, maybe? Yeah, we'll say that there's a tree there. So, freeing the bears, after both bears nuzzle tender, the closest thing to them is uh, Izobai, so both bears are actually going <laughs> to try to go for uh, for the goblin boss because of their treatment. So, the goblin boss hears the polar bear's roar all of a sudden and turns around. It is, no longer dis- it is now distracted by bears instead. So that's one bite and one claw. Uh, so the claw from one is going to miss, but the bite does hit. Wow. Okay, so that is 11 damage to the goblin boss from being bitten from one of the bears. It is looking very bloody. The other bear gets a chance to attack now, too. That bear is also going to bite and claw. And that one missed. It was so excited that it gets to, uh, that it got freed, it got distracted, and it just, you know, kind of bit midair, didn't really hit anything. But it does swipe its claws towards the goblin boss, and that, ooh, that also hits, and that is a lot of damage as well. So, the chunk that Barry Tyler Moore took out of the goblin boss was a decent enough uh, hit, but <laughs> Barry Gygax just swipes and just straight turns the goblin into three equal uh, vertical slices. So that that's that. Uh, I guess if you want to see what is on the cart or the uh, goblin boss or both, uh, you can roll uh, investigation. 
the wagon contains six goblin beds. Uh, they are made out of straw. So this, uh, if need be, is a very flammable cart. That's pretty much all that you find throughout the cart. But since the goblin died on the cart as well, Erwin will find these. The goblin boss does have a seal skin pouch that does contain uh, some coin. Also, there are two potions that she carries on her. <laughs> and at this point, the uh, the gob the other goblins have uh, you know fleed and tried to get away from the polar bear. Erwin's going to quietly pocket what he finds. All right. If you don't want to share and make a sleight of hand, I guess everybody make uh, perception checks to see if um, if you see him pocket it. Okay, so we have taken care of the goblin boss, and we now have a wagon uh, and two polar bears that are that will listen to oh twenty total. Uh, I keep forgetting that you don't have your modifier with it. Uh, uh yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, so Hush does notice. Uh, he's the only one to see Irwin pocket something uh, off the goblin boss. So that being said, uh, yeah, as long as Tinder uh, is the one to ask the bears if they're willing to uh, help the party out, they will, uh, as long as they're treated well, they will gladly listen to Tinder and they can help us carry uh, everything back to the town if that is what we wish to do. I would like to do that. I would also like to ask... Yes, uh, you were the first one he freed, and he warmed to you immediately, so he is more than fine if you want to actually ride the polar bear. Absolutely want to ride the polar bear back. And I think think the bear is strong enough to probably, one bear is probably strong enough to be able to take that wagon, especially if it's just straw goblin beds in it, (laughs) connected to the sled. The... The bag of 300 iron ingots, that's why it was so heavy. Yeah, each ingot weighed 2 pounds. So, uh, yeah, if we want to return it back to... I assume that we'll return it back to the dwarves. It takes about another half hour or so to get back to the town. Uh, So it's only been a total of, like, two hours that we've been out here. Uh, So it's about 5 p.m. at this point. Um, before we actually get back to town, I would like to do, uh, walk next to Erwin, speak to him quietly. So, that was, that was rude. I mean, just coming up to someone and saying that that was rude is actually kind of rude. <laughs> well, I know, I know some people would take offense to, uh, having treasure hidden from them. What treasure? <laughs> Everything you got from the Goblin Leader. Yeah, because goblins have treasure on them. So then why didn't you want to share? Share what? Kind of shrug and walk off. Uh, So I have told Erwin what he has pocketed. Okay, so we get back and return the ink. Well, tell them that Sled's outside, uh, and they... they graciously thank us, if I can talk right, uh, and they, true to their word, they give every one of you a gemstone worth 50 gold, uh, if you want to just put uh, 50 gold in your inventory, or you can say that you have a gemstone worth that much. So once the ingots are returned, uh, the dwarves say that they're going to take them to the the blacksmith that is in this town. They will be able to 
at this point forward, uh, should you need any supplies uh, from them, you have a permanent uh, 10% discount on any goods uh, that you need from there. And since that wrapped up the first quest, you actually all gain a level. Also gonna release the bears outside of Fair enough. What if we what if we present them the options and do what you guys want to do? They would probably choose themselves to be free, but if you were to ask one of them to stay, um, they may be inclined to do that, but that's <laughs> that depends on how how much you want them to stay. Yeah, I'll let them go. Fair enough. So, yes, if uh, you all want to level up, uh, you can roll your dice in roll 20 or, or uh, Discord for your health. Um, if we want, since it's just about two, uh, we can call it there. I had fun. Good. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm glad, glad you all did. Glad we could get together and looking forward to seeing how the rest of this goes. Absolutely. Well... Uh, I suppose in that case, I'll see you all next week. All right. Well, appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, thank you all very much. Too Neutral to Quit is a new D&D 5e podcast with myself, Worth Beasley, as the DM, Carl Meekins as Hush, Liz and Royce Moonberry as Tinder and Irwin, respectively, Ryan Powell as Ilio, and Billy Ty as Wren. Thanks once again. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you for the next session.